Greetings, citizens, and welcome to another episode of Politico-Sexual, the podcast your racist grandmother warned you about. I am <laughs> Lex Tyler, and I'm here with Christopher Esses. Hey! And what is this? Do we have a name for how super this Tuesday is? Because nope. it feels pretty super. No, we really don't. Uh, it is, uh, well, I mean, for one thing, let's let's frame it this way. There were five states... That vote is tonight. Connecticut, Delaware, Maryland, Rhode Island, Pennsylvania. And also, since we last talked, New York as well. And basically, Donald Trump has just cleaned up. Like, all that stuff that we've been talking about, hoping for a contested convention, looks like it could be in jeopardy now, because Donald Trump is getting vote shares that he had previously only dreamed of. Yeah, there's still... It's still up in the air, right? Like, it's not guaranteed. Oh, yeah, it's by... certainly not guaranteed. But it's not looking as promising. And these are states that you kind of expected him to win, but the the margins that he's won by, I mean, most of, um, every state that voted tonight either has like 99% in or at least something like 90% in, and he's looking at getting over 50% of the vote in all five states. And he did in New York also, which is crazy, because those are the only states that he's gotten more than 50% in. But uh, he's doing something lately that must be working better than even what he was doing before. It, whether it was it's working like his fairly well before. What. Yeah, I mean, he Aside was still from, winning, but he was winning with like right. 40%. And now tonight, you know, he's getting 61 in Delaware, 64 in Rhode Island, uh, 57 in Pennsylvania. You know, big numbers, huge numbers for what this Republican race is. Right, but even without that 50% break previously, you know, if it was any other candidate, there would be no question about it, right? I mean, pulling the kinds of margins he was pulling, even without taking a majority of the vote. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, if he was anyone but Trump. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Then it, it, there, we wouldn't have been dealing with nearly as a contested um, season, I don't think. Right. And I mean, like, this is the spite voting election. Like right. so many Republicans, right. like every polling data that you see, like there's something, it's something like 10 to 15% of voters are not voting for someone. They're voting against someone. Like they're voting against Trump or against Cruz or something like that for, for someone else, which is like a really big number. One out of every 10 people that walks through just showed up because they hate someone so much. Like that's a pretty crazy number, really. And that's, yeah, I mean, um, you know, especially on the Republican side, certainly it's happening somewhat on the Democratic side, but not even as much. Isn't that voting every year, though? I mean, <laughs> don't we generally elect Democratic candidates just because we hate the Republicans so much? Right. I mean, it's kind of this End lesser of, of two evils thing <laughs> yes. that we've talked about so many times, you know? I mean, it really is. So going back to, before we kind of get into nitty gritty on tonight, though, going back to last week, yeah. uh, which we did not cover because... Uh, I don't know. I was depressed, and <laughs> it was it was a really lame primary night. I was I was expecting to have some sort of feeling of vindication when Clinton just trounced all over Sanders, and instead I just felt deflated and empty inside. Even though yeah. I don't even support Sanders anymore, like <laughs> yeah, it was just very. very yeah, I sad. mean, it, yeah, it was so predictable yeah that it yeah it like left us lethargic well i mean we tried we tried yeah. we did not uh we didn't just say skip it although we considered that 
but we we gave it an honest go. We sat down in front of our microphones and began to talk, and then both died inside and thought, no, we cannot do this. Pretty much. Sanders is still running, however. He is. Against all reason. Yeah, and he's talked even recently, and he's said things. uh, This was on tonight's, uh, it was referenced on tonight's uh, 538 live blog. Um, that basically, he's going to keep running, of course. Right. He's going to take it all the way to convention, of course. This is what he's been saying the whole time. But he's already moving toward, not exactly conciliatory, but like a, he, I mean, he understands the reality of his situation. And so does Hillary Clinton, and that's why she's not going to where the primaries are next. She's in Pennsylvania and Indiana because those are battleground states for the general election. I mean, that's, you know, mm. she's moved on. She won four of tonight's five states like you said she killed it in new york the only one that she lost was rhode island like our tiniest state you know Mm -hmm. what i mean so like a a whopping 24 pledge delegates yeah puerto rico has something like 90 so whoopty shit she lost rhode island i mean who cares yeah well and the difference between in terms of uh the number of delegates you know i mean so sanders picked up two in rhode island but then lost (laughs) you know, the ground yeah, by I mean, another something like 30 in the yeah, other four states tonight. Well, long, long story short, I think that she's going to come up about like 50 ahead. Something like oh, really? That. Yeah, all that told. Much? Yeah, because I mean, she won Delaware by 20 points. She won Maryland by like 30 points. And there's a lot of delegates in Maryland. So yeah, I mean, she's uh, she's going to, He's. I mean, yeah, like we've been saying this whole time, that race is over. Um, but now it's starting to, the math is finally starting to dawn on, on people. Well, I did some back of the envelope math, uh, before we started recording. And again, this is, you know, just me throwing things into an Excel spreadsheet in about five minutes or less, but <laughs> sure. I, I took all of the primaries left to go. Right. Uh huh. Yeah. And took the percentage that Clinton has won thus far and just assumed that she's going to keep that kind of lead roughly and of 15, course, 16 point lead. Right. And of course we're only talking about pledge delegates here. We're not even ta- talking right. about super delegates. Only right? talking about pledge delegates. So basically punchline here is that by the time you add together the number of pledge delegates that Bernie has won, the number of pledge delegates he will get from now until D.C., assuming that he takes 44% is what I use of all of the pledge delegates. So assuming he loses, yeah. but not by much in every single state and it averages out to basically what he's been losing by so far. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. In order to get a majority, he would need 571 of the superdelegates to back him at the convention. Well, that's – I mean that's just not – going to happen it's not going to happen it's it it const- that would constitute 80 percent of the total superdelegates of the democratic party <laughs> to yeah. back him yeah. against hillary who would have at that point um i mean she already has a, something like a what 300 delegate lead it'll be close to it after tonight yeah right and so at that point then it's going to be something more like a 500 delegate lead <laughs> yeah no i mean it's yeah it's it's not possible no uh I mean, for him to win in pledge delegates, he's got to win every state by an average of something like 20 points the rest of the way. It's impossible. Hillary Clinton could lose every state very reasonably. Mm-hmm. Like, very reasonably, she'd lose every state remaining. 
and still have more pledge delegates. Like that's not even remotely preposterous mathematically. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, again, I mean, if he was kind of winning, what we've been saying, right. If he was winning by the same point spread that she is now, if we just reversed those numbers, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, um, okay. I can actually probably just do this really quick. Okay. Um, yeah. Assuming that he was pulling 56% of every single state going forward, right? Or which is where averages she is out, just about, right? which right. is where she is and pledged. He would still need over half of the superdelegates. <laughs> yeah. He would need 426 superdelegates, assuming he pulled 56% of ever remaining pledged going forward. Right. Yeah. The moral of the story is this, this could flip like 180 degrees where they were getting each other's numbers and Hillary would mm -hmm. end up winning. In, right. In and in that delegates. scenario, and yeah. in, in that scenario where they're, where they where they're the point spread flips, he still doesn't have a majority of pledged. No. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a situation like we've been saying where, yeah, like he's in this as a, I mean, he's in this to, to kind of influence a platform. Like that's what his, messages from here on out is to try and influence the platform rather than actually win a nomination yeah you know who's doing probably a better job of influencing the platform though who's that elizabeth warren i think so yeah like i don't i'm not actually a huge fan of elizabeth warren uh for a lot of reasons <laughs> but uh the just in terms of the things that Sanders has made the hill that he's dying on and that everybody seems to be in support of are his platforms that Elizabeth San or Elizabeth Warren has actually already been getting out there for years and better. I mean, maybe not in like as much of a mass movement way, but it's just in terms of like natural awareness, natural right. awareness. Yeah. She's no, already doing it and will continue to be doing it. Yeah. And I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me or anything like that, but I would absolutely venture to guess that she's done more tangible work on those things or gotten more things done. Like in just I would terms say. of legislation. Yeah. And just in terms of legislation, that sort of thing. Um, I mean, it seems at least, and this is anecdotal, I know, but just in terms of like what I hear about for either Sanders or Warren getting things done, it seems like her name just comes up more often in things that are actually, you know, measurable. Right. And I mean, you know, like we said, like, it's great that he's an idealist and that's one of the things that certainly drew us to him. But uh, that also can obviously be a stumbling block after a while, too. Yeah, well, especially when he doesn't have... And again, we bitched about this last podcast, so I don't know if we need to keep going off on it. But the I was uh, reading a piece. I don't have it in front of me right now. Um, apologize for that. But that was going through basically the tax plans of all the major candidates. And they they claimed in there that basically Bernie's radical idea for taxing the wealthy and there was other points on the tax plan as well but this is the one that jumped out at me was raising the the tax the tax rate on the top three percent to something like 52 percent and that's all well and good except for the top three percent comprises a large spread of incomes yeah <laughs> i mean you have people making half a million a year and you have people making billions in that top three percent and you're going to propose just a 52 percent increase but across the board on all of those and that still doesn't deal with tax havens which yeah three percent sounds like such always a, keep in mind right three percent sounds like such a small number i mean it sounds like such a you know minute slice of america 
But in terms of the actual money that you are then taxing, it's huge. And in terms of, like you said, the spread, right? It it almost starts to equate for a to like almost a a flat tax where one shouldn't be. Like you, I think you have to divide that three percent up in a different, like you said, instead of across the board. Uh, I think you have to divide that up in a different way as far as the actual tax rates. Right. Given the given the just the stark inequality in this country. Of yeah, wealth. yeah. <laughs> you know, and, saying and, you know, arbitrarily that three hundred fifty thousand dollars and up, everyone is the same. That's not remotely true, right? And I mean, even that <laughs> paints a vivid picture of the stark inequality. The fact that from you know the highest, the you know the top tenth of a percent to even the top three percent, there is that enormousness right. of a spread. Is, exactly. You know, preposterous. Mm-hmm. But like you said, that's uh, you know. Elizabeth Warren kind of getting things done. Bernie having all his ideas. They've both been in Congress for, like, ever. I mean, especially Bernie. But that kind of leads us to Harris Wofford, the uh, former senator. Was yeah, once, uh... speaking of people that have been places for forever, <laughs> yeah. this man has been on the planet for forever. Mm-hmm. He is now 90 years old. He was uh, married to Claire Lindgren. Uh, he was John F. Kennedy's presidential assistant on civil rights and an intimate of Martin Luther King Jr. Again, married uh, Claire Lindgren, and she died in 1998, 48 years into their marriage. And uh, so what's he doing now, Lex? He's uh, getting married again. He's 90 years old, uh, and he's marrying a man who is 40. And, and I mean, like, the the quotes from him and things like this just seem like it's the most, you know, natural thing in the world that, yes, he... He fell in love with a woman. They were married for 50 years, almost. And now he fell in love with a man, and they've been together for 15 years or something like this, and now they're getting yeah. married. I mean, it's... Met uh... the guy in Florida when the guy was 25. Yeah, it's... I, it's just it's just so absurd. <laughs> like, I, yeah, they I were thought I was going to have more to, like, the time be angry about yeah. on this story, but mostly I'm just <laughs> sitting here just still stunned. I know, it's, you like, know? bewildering. Yeah. It's also shocking to me. That someone who is 90, which means that they were, you know, born, you know, in, in the mid-1920s, mm-hmm. you know, it just, just looks at the idea that, ah, yeah, I fell in love with a woman. No, I fell in love with a man with just such a, you know, what seems to be such a, I don't know, a, a comfort, like not, you know, not viewing it as a, as a major issue, which is, I think, one of the big stumbling blocks on ideas about sexuality between generations is that it's such like this definable you know set thing instead of like maybe something more amorphous and fluid i don't know though i i have to wonder do they fuck well in the article oh god uh it's, it's it's quoted it doesn't say where the quote came from but it does say that wofford went on to say that the fact that he's in love with a much younger man is quote sort of funny sounding with an emphasis on fun in italics end quote so i mean i assume that fun in italics means fucking uh, i don't know i just and, and again this could be, <laughs> and at 75 you probably could maybe not like you know in his 90th year but at 75 right. i assume probably doable no, I know. I just, when I read his uh, <laughs> thing that he wrote uh, for the times, you know, it's, it's just so, eh. 
Like he's just, <laughs> he's just reporting this as though, you know, he found a new flavor of ice cream. That yeah. <laughs> he, right. He was just like 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah. I discovered Rocky road and I never thought that, <laughs> yeah, that this could happen to me. And it's just like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I just, mostly I just read this and I think that I'm probably going to die alone (laughs) (laughs) because I would never write anything like this. I would never have the experience of just hanging out on a beach and, you know, I can't get a 25 year old to date me now. I'm too old for that (laughs) shit now. (laughs) I don't know how this guy is getting this like snowboarder guy. Give it about 75, you know? Yeah. Maybe that's what I need to do. I just need to somehow hang on long enough. (laughs) <laughs> so that when I'm in my 70s and the entire climate is collapsing around us and we're roaming the forests of Canada, hunting moose <laughs> and trying not to get gang raped by bands of former Trump supporters. Oh, God. <laughs> that is a realistic fear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe maybe that's really the only option. Uh, in that case, if we're riding moose around Canada looking out for Trump supporters, we're probably going to need to arm ourselves, which apparently everyone in America has already done because everyone's shooting everybody. Everyone Uh, is literally shooting everybody. Yeah. We like to do our our second amendment watch. We like to espouse our views on abolishing the second amendment, but it's almost too hard to even just pick out a headline this week because there's so much shit. I mean, you know, 10 mass shootings in America just this week. Uh, uh, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, that's uh, that's actually Vice's ongoing uh, thing that they do. They basically, you know, um, just run that piece every week. They say uh, that since the beginning of this year, our death toll is ninety-one dead, two hundred eighty-four injured in seventy-eight incidents. I don't, I can't remember their threshold for what constitutes mass shootings. Um, but whatever it is, Europe has had none. The whole of Europe, and we're I mean, talking. You, you said you said this year, right? Yeah, as in since January first. Since January, as 1st. in less than four months. Mm-hmm. That's just preposterous. And I mean, some of these other you know headlines, even just of the articles that we read, are uh, you know th- things that, like we've said, just like having a gun is the dangerous part. Uh, yeah, mother, a mother kidding. shot her toddler while she was holding a gun, and he he startled her. Uh, yep. Two year old shot themselves. That was like uh, two weeks ago. Uh, just recently, I think it was in the past twenty four hours. Um, a a two year old pulled a gun out of his mom's purse and killed himself with it. Um, a Wisconsin uh, teen went to prom because he got dumped and shot some people. Nobody died oh. there. Oh wow, no one died in that one. I actually hadn't. Yeah. Yeah, people got shot in the leg. In the meantime, in Baltimore, which, I mean, this shouldn't surprise anybody, but there's these four kids just running around with shotguns and holding up all sorts of stores and nobody can catch them. I mean, okay, I've got to, like, i got to take a step back here a little bit. I have to take a little bit of a breath from our abolishing the Second Amendment and say that, like, these kids are literally Omar, except they're not, like, necessarily just terrorizing drug dealers but it's just four kids walking around baltimore with shotguns like you know but 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like Omar as much as anybody, but... Yeah, it's really yeah. nice as a fictional character. Yeah, I mean, they can they can do this without a shotgun, though. That's all I'm trying to say. Well, yeah. No, they they can. And uh, the thing is, we don't we don't need an Omar if we don't have a Second Amendment. Nope, sure don't. So yeah, I mean, long story short, we just spent you know like three minutes just rattling off a series of stories not even getting into much detail about what happened and they're just all people with guns shooting people often people without guns because that's not what actually happens as much as the nra would like you to believe it's not that oh yes guns are here because when a bad guy has a gun then a good guy can stop them no it's just that bad guys have guns and they shoot people yeah well and a lot of these are quote good guys well, they're, yeah, right. You know, white people that are trying to defend their home and having guns around, then their kid gets a hold of it and shoots himself with it. Right. You know, which, I mean, I guess to an extent, you know, kid got out good, you know, like didn't <laughs> didn't have to grow old and realize that no one was gonna ever going to love them because 90-year-old former senators are out snatching up all the good ones. <laughs> right. And I mean... You know, not not just that, but there's also uh, Anita Staver, who's, you know, she needs her, her Glock to uh, to protect her from all the trans people now. God forbid. Yeah, who is the, this? Uh, this is like a lawyer, right? I, I can't yeah, she's uh, head of, what is it, the Liberty Council? Is oh, yeah, some just super right-wing organization. Yeah, yes. so she's talking her, taking her forty-five caliber Glock to... Uh, the bathroom, I guess. To the bathroom, yeah. <laughs> to protect herself from all of those dudes that you see in all those Facebook memes that are... I don't even know how to describe them. <laughs> <laughs> like, they I look mean, like, like WWE wrestlers. Okay, like, yeah. Just straight up. They look like... <laughs> <laughs> they look like Hulk Hogan walked into a bathroom wearing a miniskirt. Right. And, yeah, okay. That, yeah, that's fine, I guess. And I mean, like, uh, granted, this is my least favorite, you know, to, to, to source, but there is like, you know, a, an image getting passed around Facebook, getting shared and whatnot that I've just seen a few female friends post that essentially just says, oh, look at all the men who are afraid to, to go to the bathrooms now and, and are afraid that their children will have to go to the bathrooms because, oh God, there could be a, a transgendered woman in their bathroom. But Dude, that's what women have been doing since they were born. Like the you know the the 80s and 90s stand-up joke. Oh, why do women always have to go to the bathroom together? Well, there's actually a pretty good reason, and a, and like decent cause for women to go to the bathroom together, because not a trans woman, but some fucking dude might be in there. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know. Yeah, it's not that's hard not what... to gain access to a women's room. Yeah, it, it's like, not like it's not general. like it was. If there is a man who was going to go into a women's room to sexually assault women, mm -hmm. this isn't the green light. It's not right. like he's like, oh, well, shit, now I can do it. Like, no, that's not how this is working. It really isn't. Right. I, I mean, spent if, like an hour puking in a women's restroom in a bar in Iowa City one time before they threw me <laughs> out. Like, I mean, that was a long time. You know? <laughs> Just saying. True. Uh, meanwhile, 
the uh, just in terms of Trump supporters and trans women, um, <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the, all of these threads tie together somehow. But uh, there's been some weirdness with the with the things that Trump has been saying, like he's saying things that aren't completely hateful here and there, and it's making people confused. For instance, he kind of came out against the North Carolina bathroom bill. Go figure. Um, <laughs> which caused uh, the log cabin Republicans mm-hmm. to praise Trump as the basically the best gay rights candidate the Republican Party has ever fielded, which might be true. I yeah, mean, I mean, really it's a low a great... bar, but yeah, he might clear it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's... Uh... It's strange. It's strange seeing him say things that are not completely crazy, but also not at the same time, because this is kind of who he was before this season started. You know, I yeah. mean, he was he was always an asshole, but, oh. he's, you know, he wasn't quite so crazy. <laughs> right. Like, right. legitimately. Yeah, it, it but I mean, I mean, there's of Romney to me. Well, that could be true. I think that really the like craziness of most of this cycle is just what he was doing to kind of separate himself from the field and just become a front runner. Like, I think that this might be a more accurate depiction of what Trump is, which is also why I've been more afraid of Cruz this whole time anyway. Right. Well, because I think Cruz believes the the shit that he says. Yeah. And Trump, I think says the shit that he says because He's, uh, you know, he wants to win votes and he's, uh, doing a pretty good job at it right now. Yeah. Um, all of that kind of goes back to things that we've said before where, uh, we've talked about how the problem is not Trump. The problem is Trump supporters. And there was this piece going around on Vox, uh, that we both dug quite a bit uh, about the quote alt-right, uh, which seems to be mostly about a kind of rhetoric and 4chan mm-hmm. groups, which, I mean, those, you know, nothing good to say about <laughs> either of those subcultures nope. most of the time. But this is its own definite brand of crazy. Yeah. Basically, um, the I don't even really know how to describe this. This is a long piece, but basically the short version is that they build themselves as neo-reactionaries. And they think that democracy is broken and that we need to go back to monarchy because the world was safer and people were more free under monarchy. Yeah, uh, they democracy being broken is definitely one of the big things because they basically don't believe in progressivism in any way. They think that there is essentially like an objective right way to to govern and that the people should not be left in charge of deciding what that right way is that like you said some sort of monarchy of sorts who who knows what is best for the people that lawfulness would be instated and then not deviated from and it would essentially just be a, a government who would continue to enforce the law regardless of the ever-changing fluctuations in the will of the people sort of a thing. Does that sound right to you? I mean, that's what I gather as well. Um, Aside from their ties to, you know, white nationalism and Mm -hmm. uh, some of their kind of just insane positions on 
basically the the way the world is and is going and and whatnot. I don't necessarily agree with the or disagree with the core premise. Like, <laughs> I don't necessarily disagree with the core premise that you know democracy is fucked and <laughs> right the, and having a strong central uh ruler would fix a lot of its problems i don't necessarily there, disagree with that yeah there there are parts of that that i agree with um i think that for me and uh like you said this piece is pretty dense so i'm certainly still kind of uh working through exactly my thoughts on it but i think that for me a lot of the issues with democracy is how is things like people that are single issue voters um people that i guess decide their vote based on often misinformation i guess is more mm -hmm. of the issue here things like this where we have an electorate that is vastly uneducated about the topic that they're voting on really the issue is i like it's impossible to really institute any kind of you know mandatory education because when it comes to our capitalist system, there's just really no way to kind of shut everything down so that we can take everyone aside for a day and say, these are your options and these are what they think. You know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't work that way. Well, that's so true. It but... inevitably becomes like it, there, there's going to be some discrimination against lower classes, which is inexorably tied to race that is just built into that kind of a thing, which is kind of the issue with a more well-informed democracy is that it's so hard to enact. Yeah. That's, that's part of it. I think, I think part of it too, is that, um, in terms of just, if you were to have a monarch that knew the right way, right. Or you had a, yeah. some sort of benevolent dictatorship or whatnot. The problem is, is that the world has become so complex <laughs> yeah that getting a grasp on it at all is just insanely difficult yeah no that's an excellent point also it's uh, i guess thinking about this now and the way that you you phrase it also leads to the question of like would this inherently lead to isolationism because if we're going to have like this sort of monarch that sticks to our basic lawfulness that does not bend to the you know the changing tides then th i mean the the climate of world politics will be always changing in many fashions one way or another so how would you know i, I guess do we just trust this uh higher power to make those decisions as it were and then if they do and it's not what it's not what uh, we agree with how does that how does that work you know if they if they fail is there some sort of lost faith i mean it's a there's a lot of questions to ask here i guess is is what i'm really saying i mean there there are i mean there i don't know i can't name off the top of my head any pure anarchical societies but there are monarchical societies that exist in the world right now that we could look at true <laughs> yeah that's a good point um they are not good places to be uh <laughs> right. since saudi arabia mm -hmm. you know um and I mean, I guess uh, the way that you deal with world, world politics in that way is that you pump out a bunch of oil and everybody just worships the ground you walk on regardless how heinous your government is. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, you saying that we can look at these places like it doesn't 
I know that the the immediate reaction to this might be to be like, well, that's an extreme, but like it, it, this kind of governing body would just in like it would not be that far off of something like North Korea. Right. I mean, it just it it would almost seem to the the desire for stability kind of leads you down that path of of that sort of isolation. And granted, that seems like an extreme, but it's also happening right now in the world. So it right. can't be that far of an extreme if it, you know, has come to pass. I guess part of where my um, mm, alignment with the idea of democracy is fucked and maybe we just need to, you know, have the strong man come, which is, <laughs> you know, where a lot of Trump supporters think, not even just in this more quote, intellectual alt-right movement that um, the Dylan Matthews piece is talking about, uh, but just in the general populace of the, you know, the Trump movement. Um, but my problem with that whole, or, or I'm sorry, my alignment with that whole strongman ideology is largely based on uh, where I've been in terms of climate and the environment in general, because okay. d despite the Paris agreements and whatnot, it doesn't seem like there's going to be and remotely enough change to actually stop catastrophic warming, right? Um, right? And so that would be cool, except for you would have to have not just a monarch of a country, you would have to have a world monarch. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and that's really the only crisis I have seen that seems to be worth rolling the dice on a strong man like that. Uh, you know, I mean, like, I mean, I, in some ways it might be seem nice to how completely corrupt our our Congress is our personal Congress, but you and I have already proposed alternative ways to a uh, single authoritarian rule <laughs> <laughs> right. that would fix some of those problems that don't involve authoritarian rule. Right. Like for instance, abolishing the constitution and, <laughs> yeah. and, start. and redoing the way the things do. I mean, I, I guess given the rise of fascism in Europe, once again, mm -hmm. um, as, as I texted you, few days ago the 1930s <laughs> called they want the fascism back <laughs> yeah. um yes um as we've seen parliamentary systems are not a thousand times better i mean i would like a parliamentary system oh, for no other reason that it would get us out of the shit show that is the presidential election <laughs> that now seems to drag on without end um oh, yeah. the, when, when are we not in a presidential election uh if for no other reason it would get rid of that but you know it would be a step in the right direction but if we were to reboot the whole system it would give us an opportunity to maybe design something better i don't know what that is i don't know if anybody knows what that is you know someone so many of our policy proposals and so many of our you know how to fix things ex seem to exist either strictly within the system you know yeah we, we mm -hmm. will take half loaves until the whole, whole loaf materializes or they exist in super fantasies on i mean reddit with with the <laughs> right. alt right but also within groups that i used to sympathize with like uh, primitive anarchists you know um, okay yeah things like that you know uh far left kind of ideologies uh, if you can even call that left uh, and i mean i guess to a, to a point i still sympathize with those just in terms of you know again how else you're going to deal with the very real threat of climate change but yeah uh, but they're equally as fantastic so <laughs> no right you're you're totally right uh that's yeah that's and, why I mean, that's why we are, uh, what do we call ourselves? Radical realists. Radical realists. Yes, <laughs> yes. that's the term. That's, uh, that's what we're going with, and we're going to get t-shirts made. Make radical realists again. That doesn't even make sense.
No, that's but okay. <laughs> I'm pretty okay with some. some I would, I would wear bizarre that shirt, English though, for our shirts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, I mean, I'm. Yeah, let's abolish syntax. Why not? <laughs> abolish syntax. Yeah, let's... I mean, you are. <laughs> leave it to the linguistics major to want to abolish syntax. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, looking at this uh, this alt right movement, if you can call it a movement, though. It's probably uh, like five guys, but yeah, it's it strikes me as not at all surprising that one of the things that you see in this article is that guess what? They've got trading cards. Oh yes, man! Yes, they are uh, sort of Magic the Gathering style trading cards that are you go sure by... they're not Yu-Gi-Oh style? Oh fuck! I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> I I could not tell you. But but they go by the the uh, sort of nom de plume of these people, or I don't know, they're fucking Reddit handles or something. Let's not get too fancy. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's 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 silly, fantastic illustrations, and I mean that in a way as though it relates to fantasy, not as in they are wonderful. Uh, you know, there's a dragon on one. There's some guy named Nick <laughs> Land who's a, according to the card techno-futurist xeno-philosopher, which is uh, actually doesn't okay. mean anything forever. Hold the phone. What the fuck is a xeno-philosopher? I don't fucking know. Nothing. It's nothing. Does that it mean that mean he's anything. a white supremacist? Like, like actual question I'm having. <laughs> no, I, I really don't know. I really don't know, and I also refuse to learn. Okay, that's fair. I'm, yeah, I, I'm... There's also a... I wasn't rushing to Google or anything. <laughs> rogue wizard of combat <laughs> linguistics. That would be Nidraku... I don't know. This is the dumbest shit. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, th so there's that. And there's also the other thing that, like, bet you all these assholes love Batman. Mm. AKA, AKA that's, that is the government that they want. They just want yeah. Elon Musk to actually be Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Well, he's not far. I mean, he's like, he's like <laughs> well, okay. one nipple suit away from being Batman. <laughs> well, and that, that is, I mean, that seems to be one of the big desires is like, Get Elon Musk his nipple suit. Yeah. And then we will be on our way to a, a better America. We will make America nipples again. <laughs> Can we have that on a shirt, too? <laughs> oh, absolutely. We're going to have all kinds of shirts. Oh, man. We should start a politico-sexual storm with shirts. Oh, we should. Like, yeah. That's, an, that's a thing we should absolutely do. Yeah. Um, but uh, honestly, though, like, we make fun of these assholes. Um, and, you know, I mean, really, any chance that we get, you know, assholes on Reddit and 4chan. Uh, side note. There was because I really don't want to talk about this because this is video games again. <laughs> but there was this video game called Rust where uh, everybody everybody in the video game it's a multiplayer game used to be a white dude, and because right. because the game's still in development, right? And, and so that they, they let you play it before it's actually finished, and everybody used to be a white dude, and they started implementing other body types, and instead of letting people choose the way most video games do, they decide they would randomly assign. And so, like, 50% of all people that are, are made are, are women, and, and people on the internet hate this. You know, like, in life. Yeah, yeah, like in life. <laughs> Some of them happen to be black. Like, it's just crazy, you know? Um, well, that's so weird. And so, basically, a bunch of white dudes are complaining that they don't feel represented. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry that there is probably a literal exact representation like I, I mean, I, I assume that I assume that you know the developers of Rust probably have it something similar to uh, you know 
reflecting populations, perhaps. Like I, I, I feel like that's you know could be could be accurate. You know what I mean? Oh man, it's it's so absurd. But like these people are easy to make fun of. The Reddit and the 4chan people are easy to make fun of. Oh, they really you know, are. I mean, like, look, I'm not saying I don't just tell holes, but yeah, yeah. I, I have no. I mean, I don't feel bad about it at all. No, there's never a moment where I'm like, should I, should I be saying this? Should I, should I not say? Not. Nah, I'm gonna say it. I mean, there's no moment where where my mind thinks, am I am I being too hard on these guys? No, it's it's impossible. It really is. Well, where I'm going with that though is that like. I don't know that they're that different from the rest of the people. Like this is a very specific cesspool of, of, of buttholes in one place, just pressed butthole to butthole. But, (laughs) but I don't know that this desire that they're expressing, um, for again, the strong man or, Uh you know, the, the one leader that will change everything for white people or whoever, or for black people or for whatever. It doesn't, necessarily have to be one thing because what i was going to say is i think most of the electorate is that when it comes right down to yes it. I, th- I think that that's one of the reasons that our presidential debates and elections are so fucked is because everybody's looking for the president to be that yes i don't think you're wrong i think that where it becomes so easy to make fun of them is that it's always been that it's always been where everyone wants someone to represent them you know what I mean? Everyone wants that, but but they're the only ones that ever actually get what they want. I mean, like in this video game issue, for instance, like, yes, like, they just want to be represented in this game, but so would anyone else. And and now that now that they are not the only ones represented, you know, they throw a shit fit on message boards. I mean, I would like to I would like to wonder if uh, if a black woman were to play rust or want to play rust and uh she had said well everyone before this update is a white male i you know i'm not represented so i don't want to play it right what would be do you think if called upon the reaction by these people that are now upset by it would they say well if you don't like it then don't play it i mean right predictably yeah so yeah uh hey guys if you don't like it don't play it and uh quit bitching about it on message boards to your other nationalist friends yeah i mean it's it's the same discourse that you see in everything though i mean like the uh no you're right the the uh it seems like to me and you know anecdotal but that the people that complain about um basically quote socialism right they complain about sanders uh-huh. or obama or whatever and are like oh they're coming to take our money right <laughs> it's basically always wealthy people or people that are doing pretty okay yeah and imagine that they will someday be wealthy <laughs> yes i think that's a good one like the people who maybe they're not even doing they might not even be doing that okay. They are just in this mindset of like this weird individualism where that's my shit. And they, they've got these ideas that they will be doing much better in the future. Mm-hmm. And so they don't want their future money to be took from them because the hot dog man told them that Obama's coming for their money. 
by hot dog man, I don't mean hot dog vendor. I mean Donald Trump, just so we're clear. Yeah. Because, I, because uh, he looks like a hot dog. He does? <laughs> Maybe not as much as Hulk Hogan, but no. like he's pretty hot doggy. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, I um I I I'm trying to figure out how to describe this person. I <laughs> um found the Facebook of a we'll say local businessman um <laughs> recently and Chris I sent some of these posts to you because I was just raging over them. But the guy <laughs> owns a, a small business locally and it turns out that his Facebook was um open. And uh I I deliver pizzas which is why I make a political podcast and complain about, <laughs> you know, wealth inequality. But yeah. anyway, I was delivering pizza to this guy's neighborhood and I heard about him and, you know, some of the other people that live in this, you know, gated community. And, um, you know, the guy lives in a $1.2 million house and he's, he's got an open Facebook. So I'm like, Oh, let's check this out. <laughs> and he's posting these videos of Reagan, of course, and, and <laughs> talking about his God. Trump support. And, you know, and on this one thing, he had this huge long thing about how, everybody was going to take take everybody's money and we were going to become poor. And I was just like, I know you drive a Maserati. Yeah. I know you have a million dollar house like um, in Iowa. So it's <laughs> right. a pretty bitching house. You know, I right, showed this sure. to our mutual friend in California and he's like, that would be at least a $10 million house out here. Oh, I don't <laughs> like doubt 15. that. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, and it's like, you know, I mean, I get that you know, a Maserati is cool. And if I wanted one, I wouldn't want to give it up either. Or if I had one, I wouldn't want to give it up either. But, you know, end of the day, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of really poor people out there. And maybe people that drive Maseratis and have million dollar houses should not anymore. I'm yeah, just throwing I, that out there as devil's advocate. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, what really gets me is that these people that do believe this and that are in that situation know that what they're saying is that instead of having a car that cost $10,000 less, they would rather have that car they've got and not have, say, $10,000 of food assistance to pay, you know, for multiple families for a year, really, based on, you know, what Iowa gives for food assistance a lot of times. So, I mean, like, literally... Just to have that car instead of a slightly less expensive car, you would, you know, choose choose that option over the one where you have the less expensive car and also food for entire families for extended periods of time. Like, I mean, right. that's basically what it gets down to. Because, you know, when, when you talk about – and I mean, even so, you know, when you talk about, like, the money being taken away, we're talking about taxes. We're talking about where that actually gets used on I think is less wasteful than the narrative given in the media. How um, so? Uh, I, I mean, I think that, well, let me put it this way. I think that the things that people get upset about tax dollars being spent on have, uh, it's actually a very small percentage of the taxes. I think that say our military spending and, uh, right. and some other things like this, basically what I'm saying is that social p programs you're actually on an individual level, even making up to a, you know a very high dollar amount. The amount of your taxes, the actual number of dollars and cents that you are paying for a program like SNAP or for welfare or for you know anything, uh, healthcare services via Planned Parenthood, which are you know not abortions, anything like this, the amount that you're paying individually 
or the amount that's coming out of your taxes that goes to that individually is so minute that I think that it's just really uh, a, a calculated sea of misinformation spread by mostly, when we're talking about these specific issues, people on the right who, you know, know that that's going to, I guess, get votes more or less. I mean, this is, you know, at the end of the day, it's pretty much just a, a race for votes. Yeah. Really. And I, I mean, there's that and there's two, I don't really have all the pieces of this puzzle. I've, I've been working on this. I've been, I've been going through uh, Thomas Piketty's uh, capital in the 21st century. And, and so I haven't got to his conclusions yet. Um, but so far, just uh, his analysis of the situation is, is pretty compelling. Uh, if a little dry, because <laughs> it's a book about economics, but <laughs> the, some of the takeaways I've had from that is, I mean, not only is our, our, you know, country's just very unequal, but when you look at it, it seems to me, unless I'm looking at this very wrong, that there really just isn't enough money to go around. And that might yeah. seem like a conservative thing to say, but just looking at like output, if you actually evenly distributed all of the wealth in the world, just, just spread all the money around so that everybody had the same number of dollars. Right. Because you know, somebody, sometimes you'll see those Facebook memes where it's like, if we just distribute all this money, everybody would be fucking rich. <laughs> right. And what I've been gathering from his numbers anyway is that that's not actually the case. If you just spread all the money around, everybody would be um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that's about it. Um, but you wouldn't have people, you know dying of starvation anymore either you know and so yeah i, I mean i'm i'm okay with that yeah me i too. mean maybe i mean maybe but that's like where the disconnect is here but... it's part of the whole um american ideal that that's not okay the, the yeah, american no, ideal is that You're right. we're all going to be rich <laughs> and you know and it i mean i guess my my point is is that like you just i don't know that you can have maseratis and the end of hunger in Africa. Right. No, I, I, I don't think that you can have both on the same planet. Yeah, just, I, I mean, just it is like crunching the numbers any more than Bernie Sanders can get the presidency. I mean, it's just right. a no, straight math game. I'm not saying it's a zero sum game. Economy. Uh, right. A global economy, like you said. Yeah. Right. I'm not saying it's a zero sum game, <laughs> you know, in the sense that like, you know, there are only losers, but right, right, right. the, but like in order to fix the problem, it seems to me that the idea of wealth per se would have to go away. You know, yeah. I don't know what that looks like really, because I also want to move to a post-work economy and maybe we can't do that without Elon Musk. I don't know, but no, I mean, I, I think that you're, you're right. Um, and again, I think that the, the issue here is that we will never have it will never be the ideal or the uh, the the you know American dream, as it were, or however you want to define this, as like having enough to be uh, content, basically, but, mm. but not be you know swimming in wealth. Like if if uh, if everyone's doing okay, and you know no one is in extreme poverty or extreme wealth, that like you said, it just doesn't fly here. No. That's fine with me if if I if I know that uh, 
everyone's doing okay and that I'm going to, you know, be okay going forward economically, financially. Um, but I'm never going to have extravagant wealth. I will take that in a moment. Like there is no, and maybe that's just a part of my upbringing being, you know, brought up in a, in a pretty, you know, poor family. You know, I mean, we, mm-hmm. we were, we were never well off by any stretch of the imagination. So maybe that's what that comes down to. And, you know, my personal, you know, apprehensions and anxieties about money or whatever. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe that's what it is, but whatever the case may be, I I think that that idea, that uh, opinion that, okay, well, maybe I won't have this extravagant American dream, but I and everyone else will be okay economically. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just, I think it's totally unattainable on a large scale to, to get people to agree with that. I mean, Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, I think that's part of the, you know, the difficult going forward in being a radical realist, right. Is figuring out which are the things that we're going to care about and actually try to act on, you know, not that we have any real political poll, but, (laughs) but I mean, that seems like a valid question because I've spent a lot of my adult life caring about things that aren't going to happen. You know, I mean, I've spent, I spent years trying to figure out, you know, how, how is, how do we stop the climate change, you know, and, you know, in a real practical way that involves radical shifts. And I just kept seeing report after report after report that, you know, it's too late. It's too late. It's too late. You know, scientists warn it's going to be too late soon. Times say, no, really, it's going to be too late soon. Scientists throw their hands up in the air start sobbing and say it's too late. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's been basically the narrative yeah. over the past five years or so. Right. Um, and so, so what can you do? You know, um, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this cause we're, we're pretty much out of time. But, um, one of the things that I talked about a couple of weeks ago that I keep meaning to come back to, and I've been watching very closely and again, not going to do a deep dive in, but, um, I would really like to see us divest from Israel as a country. Um, yeah. there's some stories went out, several news, news organizations picked this up. It was something like 440 children currently being held in captivity, Palestinian children being held in captivity by Israel. Um, there, I, I'm not pulling up the, the article in front of me, but it was something like that, that they're only one or one of a very small minority of, of countries that actually has like a military court for kids. <laughs> oh my God. You know, and I realized that part of this is because. I think they're, I don't have any reports, so I'm pulling this out of my ass. If this is not true at all, please someone stop me in in listenerville. Um, but, uh, knife attacks against Israeli soldiers is a thing that Palestinians do, um, Mm -hmm. as a way to like fight back basically. And I think that they might be putting knives in the hands of kids, like, um, like intentionally to do this. Ah. Okay. Um, one of them, one okay. of the stories that just came out that was kind of the source of the holy crap, the incarceration level is really high right now, is that they just released a 12 year old girl back to her parents, who um, was was arrested, I think, within the last year, um, and she had a knife. You know, um, it, I didn't know that she actually literally attacked anyone. <laughs> so I, I think the co- the story might be more complicated than it seems on face value. Um, maybe somebody was sure. trying to prove a political point on one side or the other. I don't know. Um, but moral of the story, they imprisoned a 12 year old girl for months. <laughs> oh my God. Um, because she was Palestinian. You know, it's, it's a fucking nightmare. Uh, in the meantime, 
uh, just again, basically headline review, Israel's, uh, 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 see president or prime minister Netanyahu. I can never keep it. Prime minister. Countries that have both a president and prime minister do murder to my country? brain. Yeah. Yeah. Like I get it. I get it. You have a head of state and then you have like the head of the government, but like stop because it breaks my brain. <laughs> yeah. You're confusing America. Yeah. Other countries. Knock it off. Um, <laughs> Abolish other countries. Oh, wait. That's what we're already doing. Oh, hey, we got one. Hooray. Yeah. We, we've anyway, affected Netanyahu, to change Prime Minister of Israel. I double checked. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he basically came out and said, hey, this strip of land that's technically Syria's based by based on international consensus, based on what the UN says um, that we've been occupying since like 1967, we're just going to keep it for literally for forever. Yeah. I, I can't find the exact pull quote right now, but I mean, he did, he said either forever or for all time. I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean that, that pretty much, uh, yeah, I, I understand the tone. Yeah. I, I hear quote forever. I don't know. And, but anyway, that's just a thing, you know, I mean, Syria is already a, sh a shit show and basically he's just like, Hey, Assad <laughs> and, right. and Putin while you're all dividing this up I just want you to let it be clear that like you know you have a shit show over there and we're just going to keep this um, <laughs> and and this is a country that we send billions in foreign aid to every year and yeah. that's something we would stop that's not something that's going to radically remake our economy I mean uh, no, the, it's the not, four but... or five billion or I don't even know what the number is a handful of billions that we send over there is a drop in the bucket in terms of the uh, in terms of the annual budget well, but, sure, it is. But also, like, if, if we want to rework the budget, and certainly we do, because the spending is, like, not going where it should be. I mean, we yeah. agree on that. Pretty much everybody agrees on that. But, I mean, this is uh, – I, I know that I often make sports references, but, like, if if you are a basketball team and you're down by 10, guess what? You're not going to find the 10-point shot anywhere on the floor. Like, you have to chip away at things, you know what I mean, until until the difference between where you are and where you want to be is made up. Like, it's it's there's not going to be a magic bullet. And uh, I guess, long story short, what I'm saying is that, yes, totally divesting would make a big chunk, cut out a big chunk of where we are versus where we want to be in terms of, you know, spending that money and and. and what we think that we should be doing with that money and what we think we should absolutely not be doing with that money, which is, you know, sending it to Israel. Yeah. We shouldn't be financing apartheid States and we shouldn't be in bed with the Saudis either, uh, which is becoming more and more clear. I mean, even our government seems to be <laughs> getting tired of that one. Yeah. Um, Cause it's just, it's a fucking nightmare over there. And you know, now that, now that other sources of oil are, are more viable and we're trying to divest from oil in general, it's just the reasons for remaining friends with them are right. just getting more and more tenuous. <laughs> yeah, absolutely <laughs> true. But uh, yeah, we're kind of running out of time. So do we yeah. have a Trump supporter of the week? Well, our Trump supporter of the week is my hero, Tom Brady. Uh, the good news is that I don't really feel bad about that because uh, I don't even think Tom Brady votes. I mean, he's, he's, he literally does not care. Uh, he, he's basically, this all started because he had a uh, Donald Trump hat in a locker, uh, which is pretty much where it came from. So then the, you know, the media barrage kind of, kind of came in. Um, and this was a while ago, right? Oh yeah. Long time yeah. ago, last season. Um, and uh, yeah, he basically said, 
yeah, you know, we're, uh, we're friends. I met him early in my career. Uh, that's great. I don't really care about this kind of stuff. I don't pay attention to it. This kind of stuff being politics pretty much. I mean, I think that he literally, uh, will not vote, <laughs> but again, like he, uh, he, he's certainly, uh, borne the brunt of, of that. And, uh, you know, not without good reason. Like that's, uh, that is something that one should be taken to task for, even if it is your, I, I mean, I, I'm sure that I have people that I know that I would totally go out and have a drink with, and if they ran for office, I would say, fuck no, I'm not voting for you. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you are in no way fit to to hold public elected office. Well, fast forward to this week, <laughs> and and the reason why he's our Trump supporter of the week, he got a personal call out by Donald ah, Trump. Yes. And this was yep. just amazing to me. I don't know. Maybe maybe it wasn't to you. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I figure any time that your boy ends up in the media, it's uh, you know, doing something other than being suspended for deflating footballs. It's you know, <laughs> right, a good day for you. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, Trump was uh, was in was it uh, was it Rhode Island? I believe, I'm pretty sure, uh, which voted today, obviously, and Rhode Island is part of the Boston media market and sports market. So yeah, he, he called him his good friend, uh, as he has done with many people who are not, in fact, his good friend. Although with with Brady, I do believe that they like have gone golfing in the past. So so that one's probably more accurate than some of Trump's claims. But uh, but yeah, he called him out as as he was campaigning in Rhode Island, and maybe it worked because Donald Trump did better in Rhode Island than any other state tonight. He won it by like forty points. So the power of Brady. So so on a scale of one to Harris Wofford, <laughs> ninety year old man's man. <laughs> How good of friends do you think Trump and Tom Brady are? <laughs> um, uh, like two. I, I mean, I, I think I think like in the in the media uh, frenzy after after the hat was like spotted from a distance. Uh, he he. I think Brady mentioned that he hadn't really talked to him and maybe a couple years or something like that. So I don't think that they're actually good friends per se, as much as Donald Trump has any good friends. So, well, on this, maybe. In this speech, it's, uh, Trump specifically says, leave Tom Brady alone <laughs> <laughs> because apparently people have been, you know, taking him to task for being a Trump supporter. And I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm just an old gay and I still have <laughs> that Chris Crocker video. Leave Brittany alone. Oh, stuck okay. in my head. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. Somebody needs to make a mashup of those two. Oh wow, yeah. Because that's, that's a really just good idea. Immediately where I went with that. <laughs> um I don't know. Is is auto tuning on YouTube still a thing or am I just an old person? Oh no, it's it's gotta be a thing, right? I mean no. I don't know, maybe I am also an old person. That's totally that's totally possible. Trump Could is be. Uh, Trump Trump's doing better on the sports references though, at least uh Ted Cruz, who was in Indiana and uh, which is basically the like mecca for for basketball, more or less, he tried to recreate a scene from Hoosiers at a rally and uh, called a hoop, uh, which can also be viably known as a goal, but he called it a basketball ring. <laughs> That's not one of the options, Ted Cruz. Even I, who cannot name an NBA player that was not <laughs> in NBA Jam. <laughs> like if they weren't an nba jam fucking good luck i have no idea who they are 
even i thought that was funny like <laughs> yeah i mean i mean you 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 do have to be basketball ring yeah i mean like look you don't have to watch or follow basketball you don't even have to know the rules of basketball to know that that's basketball ring is that's got to hit your ear and say that's not yeah right. no yeah that's, that's that not can't okay be right that that cannot be it. You have to be an actual lizard in human skin. <laughs> or a GD space alien. It's one of those two. Or a time traveling serial killer. I think I think that we should start judging political candidates the way that we judge potential lovers based on <laughs> essentially the short version of their OK Cupid profile. When you when you're going through there and you're like Oh, they put an Adam Sandler movie on their favorite movies list. Uh -oh. I can't date them. Oh, God. So between Ted Cruz thinking that a basketball hoop is a basketball ring mm -hmm. and Bernie Sanders thinking that Fish is a good band. Oh, yeah. Those are deal breakers, man. I know. I mean, just think of how much simpler politics would be. We probably really have to be. we probably have to make Harris Wofford our, our new monarch. Because right. I'll bet I mean, he cool. likes good music. All of the fucking gay bars that he's probably been to the past fifteen years <laughs> in Florida. Like, I guess I was going more based on his uh, his age. I was assuming it'd be like you know Sinatra <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, yeah. No, I was probably... thinking more like Diplo. You know, you know. I mean, Sinatra. <laughs> no, I was not thinking Diplo. <laughs> <laughs> I was absolutely not thinking that. <laughs> Whatever you have to tell yourself, Lex. Well, I still haven't gotten over this conversation I had with a coworker a few months ago where he said that – he's he's younger. He said that Diplo was the John Lennon of his generation. What? <laughs> and I just – I'm still not reconciled this in my head. Oh, my God. Diplo is the John Lennon of the yeah. current teenage generation. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, someone well, going to hell, said man. that out loud to you. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> I know. Oh. Well, I, I for one, cannot compose any more cogent thoughts after <laughs> that hit my ear. So uh, I think that uh, uh, until next time, when we again try to abolish the Second Amendment and uh, and bring you another Trump supporter of the week, I've been Chris Estes, and I'm Lex Tyler. We will see you next time. See ya.